Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Jennifer Barrier is with us. Secretary Barrier, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here with you today. Alrighty, so you made a you made a, a quick uh, trip to Erie, PA, uh, talking uh, at the United Steelworkers uh, Union Hall down on French Street uh, on Thursday. What was the nature of the visit? So the nature of the visit was to highlight the governor's call to action. He recently uh, executed an executive order and also called on the legislature. And, and the, the main call is to afford worker protections and also to ensure certain uh, protections for workers in the form of paid sick leave, increased minimum wage. It's, it's a very robust worker agenda, pro-worker agenda. You know, one of the things that came out of that that I was shocked about is uh, 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 Representative Harkins, who's our East Side Assemblyman here, uh, that basically OSHA rules would apply to the state as well. Right now, the state is exempt from OSHA. That's crazy. Yeah, that, that is correct. Uh, federal OSHA requirements exempt uh, states from OSHA requirements, which uh, is, is a bit strange. But uh, we look forward to digging into that issue and seeing uh, what, what we can extend to our Commonwealth workers. All righty. Uh, you know, we, you have bipartisan support, at least up here in Erie, to the minimum wage. Uh, what, what are you all calling for and uh, what kind of reception are you getting, especially from small business? So what we're supporting is legislation. I think it's Representative Patty Kim and also Senator Tartaglione's legislation that uh, calls for an increase uh, to, to a $12 minimum wage with a pathway over the course of several years to $15 an hour. Um, uh, you know, there are some businesses that are supportive of that, as some businesses are, frankly, already paying that to be competitive. However, it, generally, I would say that the business community is opposed to raising the minimum wage. So the business community is opposed. The, 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 the rub that I see that is happening with this is that it's super easy for the multinationals, the Targets, Walmarts, et cetera, to just say, hey, it's going to be 15 bucks, our minimum. And then you're in that mom and pop competitive situation where the numbers don't don't compute because uh, they're not able to buy at bulk or they don't they're not uh, a public concern, which which has stockholders and so on. Uh, does does the fifteen dollar minimum wage edge out uh, the idea of local mom and pops owning businesses? You know, I've had, Joel, I've had several conversations with mom and pop business owners that utilize a different business model where they, they pay their workers at least $15 an hour and find other ways to save money, such as buying product or, or, or using more creative solutions and trying to partner up with other businesses to buy in bulk. And I, I, I don't think this call to action edges out local businesses, but I think it forces, forces businesses to reevaluate their business model. And frankly, at this point, I mean, if, if you can't compete with what big businesses are paying, you're simply not going to have the workforce. So, it, you know, I, I almost feel like you have to have to pay your workers that rate at this point. 
Uh, and again, uh, part of what is informing uh, Pennsylvania is what's happening in other states around us. Um, we have a population problem, don't we, that's computing to this workforce problem? You know, there's several competing factors. I mean, pre-COVID-19, we had an we have we had an aging population, and we knew that this was always going to be problematic with the baby boomers beginning to retire in the next generation, simply not having the numbers to fill the jobs. However, I think the COVID-19 pandemic has greatly exacerbated the situation. Um, and it's because, frankly, we have a very low labor force participation rate. Uh, individuals uh, are, are simply choosing not to work at this point. And, and, and COVID's really put a hurt on that. Uh, we, we were just talking about that. The callers are calling in. Um, Erie seems to be particularly in, 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 a, in a place. And again, I don't know if you have the stats in front of you, but Erie is kind of one of those places where workforce participation is, is exceptionally low. When we had uh, – I think it was Sheila Ireland on earlier in the year. She was like, well, you got you got to get more people working in Erie to make this happen. No, and it's interesting because, you know, you did you did have you know, we just got through a year where there was federal stimulus money. There was additional unemployment compensation benefits. Individuals saved their money and they they had a little bit of padding. So, you know, it's forcing individuals to be a little bit more uh, selective about the employment that they're choosing to ultimately undertake. What about what about kids and entry level jobs? Is there is there a. A norm that's out there, especially with middle class parents, where there there's just like this this uh, degree of shielding kids from workplaces or mean bosses or something like. I, again, I love that. I mean, we're both parents. I'd love to know what the the anecdotes are. You know. <laughs> so coming, you know, I don't know about you, Joel, but when, as soon as I was of working age, I was chomping the bit to get out there in the workforce and make my own, my, make my own money so I could pay for my own things. So I worked as soon as I was able to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, really not seeing that, that, that same participation with these, with these generations. And frankly, I do think it's hurting some of the smaller businesses and also hurting some of the lower wage positions that you find that many college age or high school age students work work, you know, those those industries. And aren't they missing out on skills and soft skills and, you know, conflict resolution? There's a lot of things that go when you kind of put yourself out there outside the bubble of, uh, of the family home. Oh, absolutely. These are skills you don't learn in school. I mean, they're simply people skills. Like you said, soft skills that they, that are developed, uh, you know, they're on the job skills that you develop. And it really does give you an edge throughout throughout the course of your career. And unfortunately, many young people are are choosing not to take that opportunity and run with it and are choosing to, to you know, continue and complete their schooling before they enter the workforce. What do you think the message then is to consumers Insofar as that they're seeing prices going up, they're seeing scarcity of supply, they're they're um, they're seeing really uh, you know sometimes really bad customer service. Not everywhere. I mean, again, there there are places I could tell you in Erie that have amazing customer service, even as they kind of you know push through the 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 challenges. But are, are consumers needing to expect less, even as they have a lot of money burning a hole in their pockets, Secretary <laughs> Barrier. They do. 
<laughs> well, Joel, uh, I'd like to know where all this money is. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you know where it is, please let me know. Okay. Uh, no, you know, it's really interesting. I've actually been reading a lot about the inflation rate. Uh, the inflation rate is actually up over 5%, which is uh, which is the most we've seen it risen in a very long time. But the difference is, in, 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 as opposed to other recession periods, is that people actually have money. Like you said, it's burning, burning a hole in their pockets. So I think we're just trying to find that balance. I mean, frankly, we're still trying to recover from this pandemic and adjust to the new normal. So I think we still need to wait till things kind of equalize and settle out before we, we find out what that new normal is going to be. But we're definitely going to experience some growing pains until that happens. How about, how about the state? Is the, is the state fully uh, have its employment complement, or are you shopping for workers? Oh, we're, we're, we're just like any other employer. We're struggling as well to recruit and retain talent. Uh, you know, it's definitely forced us to look at uh, the perks and benefits that we offer. Um, you know, you know, the Commonwealth has always been a staple and, and kind of been this dinosaur that's been set in its place. But we've, we've learned that we have to be competitive as well. We have to raise our, our salaries and also maybe offer some other perks that other workplaces don't, such as teleworking and, mm. and other types of benefits, because we, we, are, we are competing with the, same, with the same employers that everyone else is competing with. You know, you know, it's it's easy to say. Okay, you might have to wait longer in line uh, at the gro- at the checkout, or you might not have immediate help at the department store. But it gets to be life threatening when there's not enough personal care workers or or for behavioral health. And I have um, family members that are in that space, Secretary Barrier, where it is we're in a crisis situation when it comes to personal care workers. Absolutely. And, and that is certainly one of the groups we hear from the most is, is the uh, health care workers and more particularly the home health care workers. Um, we are definitely in a crisis, uh, especially as I mentioned earlier, we have an aging population here in Pennsylvania with, with any retirements and the, and the generations just becoming older and older. And uh, there is a great need for healthcare workers, more particularly home health care workers and behavioral health workers as well. So uh, uh, let me let me put it on the other side. I, we are getting some anecdotes that come through to the radio station about, hey, you know, I've been out of work for six months. I put out a hundred resumes and I don't get any callbacks. And so have you seen any evidence of, of employers, even though they may have, uh, you know, 15 things on CareerLink, um, they're still not maybe, uh, you know, uh, you know, closing the deal with new em- employees. Yeah, I, I have heard that. And I think there's two things happening with that. And the first one being that I, I think there is a, a skills gap. There definitely is a skills gap of, between what employers are, are looking for and, and the actual workers that exist out there. And, you know, I think this comes to the second part is that I think it's, it, it's going to enforce employers and industries to put more investment in human capital. Um, I think employers are going to be forced to think outside of the box and look at candidates that, that don't necessarily look like their traditional candidate. Um, you know, I think that they're going to have to build the workforce that they need instead of looking for their workforce. I, I, this is 
likely to be the new normal. Uh, I think it's going to, to rely on employers in trying to, to recruit and retain, and they're going to have a much tougher time than they have before, because really right now, workers have greater bargaining power than they've ever had. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, it's, it's going to put a lot of the burden on em- the employer community. So again, uh, you mentioned you mentioned uh, inflation five percent. Don't all of these layers just kind of really make it very difficult? I mean, the, uh, I heard something uh, called uh, uh, you know uh, like stagflation, where it's basically um, we're not able to get enough workers. We have to accept lower uh, customer service, and everything is going to cost more for getting less. That's kind. I mean, that's kind of a rough uh, patch to be in. Are you are you optimistic we can get out of that and, and things kind of find a new normal? I am optimistic that we will be able to adjust. I know right now uh, the federal government, along with the state government, we are throwing considerable resources into making sure that we can uh, – you know, build the best workforce we can within our respective communities and to make sure that we we have a thriving economy and, and supply that demand that that employers need. So I am very hopeful. I know within the Commonwealth, uh, the governor has called upon the, the command center to to bring all the agencies together, along with private sector and also uh, unions to, to try to figure out these problems. And I, and I think there's good progress being made. I mean, we're, we're really in in a very unique position that we've never been in before. But I think we all know that it's going to take all of us to get through this together and that we're going to have to rely upon each other in order to come out of this on top. All right. So give give us a couple pro tips here. So if if I am currently unemployed and I do want to re-enter the workforce and maybe I have nominal skills, whether it's in manufacturing or in retail or or in uh, hospitality, what is your best suggestion for me to go and really find that best job that would fit, uh, you know, my skill set? Well, thank you, Joel. I, that actually gives me a great segue into promote uh, to promote a new opportunity that we recently unveiled at the department, and it's called Skill Up PA. Mm. And it, basically, what it is is you have to register through uh, you know through CareerLink. You register online, and you're you have access to over six thousand learning modules, uh, soft skills, hard skills, and it's free of charge. This is, these are training tools that the Commonwealth is providing for free. So um, I I would urge anyone who finds themselves in that position where they're trying to find employment, they're not sure what they want to do, please check this out. Skill Up PA, we have it available on the department's website at dli.pa.gov. It is free education, free modules. Everyone I've spoken to who has who's signed up for courses have, have found the courses extremely beneficial. And, and I really, it's a free tool that benefits workers and also benefits employers who, who, need, who need individuals who, who have those soft skills. What about CareerLink and and also you know just basically the um, you know the the folks that help people either skill up or or enter into jobs? Is there enough? Are, are we able to stay on top of uh, of the demand uh, that's going through the state system there? Our folks at the CareerLinks are doing a fantastic job, and yes, they are willing to help anyone who walks through their door. I, I really think the local career links are 
the best tool that each community has, local community has in, in connecting workers to employment. Um, I highly recommend employers to, to put, post their positions uh, through CareerLink, and I highly recommend workers to, to go to their local CareerLink. At least take a browse on the website to see what job openings are available in their local region because it's it's just a great, great tool that, that makes that connection that needs to be made. And if I have, um, if I do lose my job, uh, how is the, you know, we went through a, a big sh uh, reckoning with the unemployment computer system. Has that all been worked out now at, at this point? So, you know, yes, that, that, uh, <laughs> that certainly was, you know, the, the pandemic had definitely highlighted some, some weaknesses within our unemployment compensation system. But I can say that we've definitely come over that hurdle and we are in a much better position than where we were a year ago. And uh, if you do unfortunately find yourself in that position where you lose your job through no fault of your own, uh, we are able to take your claim and, and process it and, and get you your weekly benefits as quickly as possible. Final thoughts. Okay, so again, piece this all together with me. So you have, you have childcare uh, facilities that are having trouble hiring. Um, you have uh, two income households, perhaps, where where one of them is staying home because the kids, you know, don't have childcare, and then you have extra funding either through the childcare tax credit or through enhanced unemployment or through, um, you know, extra, you know, um, you know, extra dollars that were coming through from the from the feds. Doesn't doesn't that perfect storm kind of say? Hey, maybe we can, for a little while anyway, be a one-income family, and um, and and that just drops that family's workforce participation by fifty percent. Are we seeing that microcosm happening? I think we are seeing that. I think that a uh, you know I, I I throw this stat around because I think it's a really interesting stat. Is um, the U.S. Department of Labor recently announced? Uh, their most recent data that showed that 4.3 million Americans voluntarily left their job in August alone. Wow. In the 21 years that we have been collecting this data, we have never seen anything like this. And, you know, I think that's certainly a part of it is having that cushion uh, that's allowing people to reevaluate their work and the work that they do and, and, and deciding, you know, hey, do I feel safe doing this? Is this something I really want to do? Is it worth the money that I'm earning to, to not be at home or to put myself or my loved ones at risk? I, I definitely think that's what we're seeing. So so the the end result of, of some of this will be that that companies that were basing themselves on low uh, low cost labor won't make it if at a fifteen or eighteen dollar an hour you know competitive wage is that is that going to be accurate? That I mean I don't have my crystal ball yet. Right. It's, I think it's still being shipped to me. <laughs> um, however, nice. I, I think that that's that's a good speculation. I really do. I, I think uh, that's something. I, it'll be curious to see a year from now how that plays out. Like I've said before, we've never found ourselves in this position before, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens. But I think it's going to be really difficult for employers who are not paying good wages, who are not offering. Things such as paid sick leave, paid family medical leave, uh, you know, I think they're really going to struggle to attract and retain a, a good, solid workforce. Well, it sounds like to me that some of these uh, 
some of the things that you that you and the governor were, were pushing last Thursday. Uh, there's some bipartisan support in this neck of the woods uh, because uh, Senator Laughlin has uh, has proposed some of these, uh, certainly a, a wage increase and certainly paid sick leave or at least an ability to to have sick leave. And so, um, you know, it, it's it's not just a, a Dem versus Republican kind of thing here. We might see some of these things come to fruition. Thank you so, so much, uh, Secretary of Labor and Industry, Jennifer Barrier. We really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. <laughs>